Today on our show, we have Jamie Tanner, a great comic artist, the creator of The Black Well, amongst other things like The Aviary as well. The book is a very surreal, graphic novel mystery, and it explores a man who wakes up and magically has the head of a dog. Needless to say, we've all had our bad days and waking up with the Monday blues or such. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's a pretty bad day. So, But it's definitely more than just that. It explores his relationship with his wife. It explores his relationship with alcohol, this mysterious, very strange institute that he goes to try and solve the issues. It's a great, great jump down the rabbit hole, so to speak, and has a really great ending. And if you're a fan of mysteries, especially something that needs to be pieced together, it doesn't give you everything straight away. We talk about how it's influenced by Lost and how it's definitely a book that you want to jump in and reread. And it's a fun interview, I think. So uh, I hope that you enjoy it. Uh, please go and check out the book and his website, uh, jamietanner.com or theblackwellbook.com. If you want to learn more, go to your local comic shop, pick up his book, or go to a uh, comic festival, check him out. Really, really cool art style. Very mysterious and spooky, but really funny. Kind of makes fun of a lot of old style, like Dracula type styles, but I really like it and I enjoyed the conversation. So see you later on for some ending notes and thanks so much for listening. All right, bye. Hey, how you doing? Hello, I'm good. Can you hear me okay? Uh, I can hear you great. Got this fancy mic in my office here that I don't know how to use, so... Same. <laughs> I wanted to uh, improve my audio from last time. <laughs> I thought it sounded okay. It was audible. It certainly beats uh, a lot of other podcasts I've listened to. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Sure, sure. Thanks for asking. So I remember I met you at Cab, and I picked up the Blackwell, your your book that I think seems like you're most well known for. <laughs> well known is a strong word for it. But <laughs> that's the most recent full book I've I've completed. Anyway. Okay. I think my my first book is probably a little more well traveled in that I had an actual publisher put it out, so it made it into comic book stores and stuff. But well known again would be a very strong word for that one too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, more known. How's that? <laughs> sure. I'll take it. I'll take it. Known by you. That's what that's what counts in this situation. That's that's true. That's true. So uh, I like that the book was like the, it's a mystery book and it has lots of different layers to it. I like that it's like you have um, different characters, but then you also have different uh, layers between like reality and this kind of like dr almost like a dream sometimes, and then different different layers. I was wondering like what. What kind of drew you to like mystery type stories? Like, what 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 do you like about mystery stories? Um, I, that's hard to articulate. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I always lean on uh, David Lynch in answering this question, and he's articulated very well that you know a mystery is very engaging. You know, you're drawn in. It's it, you know, dreamlike is often a word applied to that kind of stuff. But I don't know. There's just an energy about it. And then as soon as it's revealed, it's always some kind of a, a disappointment. There's certainly been plenty of mystery stories that have amazing reveals, but it's the that, that sense of mystery itself is kind of the big what really 
uh, is the, the draw of the story. And so I just sort of follow that. Uh, and it, I mean, that's, that's putting it in a way that it's rarely anything as conscious as that. I just try to, I try to be relatively intuitive and I don't know. I just follow a story where it seems to want to go, which maybe sounds lazy. No, no, it doesn't sound lucky. lazy at all. It doesn't sound lazy at all. So that it's a good follow up because when you're talking about following intuitively where the story goes. So when you start out a story, like how much framework do you give yourself? Do you have like a like a set plan or do you or or is it really just page by page or how how does that intuitive story kind of come to be yeah well that's i mean that's different in every and i try to do it differently with every you know mix it up with each new thing that i do although i wind up the last i don't know how many things i've done i've it's been a relatively repetitive process in that I have a general idea and I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll write like really rough notes and draw a little bit and then, um, just sort of write, not even a script. I never, since I'm doing everything for myself, I don't really write. I never write like panel one, panel two. I'll just kind of write, uh, any dialogue or narration or anything that would be, you know, eventually written on the page and then, you know, work from that where I'll have in my mind, like how things may play out visually if there's no dialogue. But I'll just sort of have like, you know, a list of all the words that need to be written and then I'll change it as I go to. But I sort of do that and then, you know, break it down into like thumbnails from there. And but uh, and in the case of the Blackwell, I had a general framework that I wanted to start from, a general idea. And I think the first like I wound up doing it in three sections just to make it easier for myself. I had initially thought I would write the whole thing and then pencil the whole thing and ink the whole thing and try to make it one big unified thing before even moving to final art, but I, I don't know, it was just too daunting to do. And I also had, uh, I had funded it with a, a Kickstarter project and I had people waiting. So I didn't want to like take, take a year and a half and people would see nothing. So that, that let me sort of, you know, split it into three sections that sort of worked on their own and I could, you know, uh, share that as I went. So like, rather than wait a year, you wait like a month or two and then get, you know, 40 pages or something like that. And it's, it's been a long time. So I don't even remember what my slow schedule was like at the time but uh yeah so in that one i would write i wrote like the first section and then and i pretty much had most of the second section in mind too but, but i didn't i had a vague sense of where it would end but i didn't really know until i got there which yeah which you know i i that's often the case some some things have been completely improvised with a short story i'll kind of have the whole thing in mind before i start drawing it but then once you start drawing everything totally changes too and there have been stories that I, I make up completely as I go along, just panel to panel, but I haven't done one of those in a while. It's too stressful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it seems like it. Uh, it seems like um, the more I read about, more I um, talk to people, it seems like the, the size of the workload kind of seems to inform how improvised it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't imagine doing something completely improvised at like a really long, you know, novel length although people have certainly done it you know major inspirations like clouds with like above a glove cast in iron or chester brown's at the happy clown i know those at least started very improvisational but i mean i think any any story starts somewhat improvisationally and you you eventually find where it's going whether you do that before you actually start putting it out in the world or not you know that's why i always i, I was a fan of uh, lost the tv show which i recall uh, people constantly complaining oh they're just making it up as they go along but that is how any story is made <laughs> yeah yeah that's true that's very true that's very true like episodic series i think 
people tend to um, misjudge creators as this, like, kind of mastermind who has, like, every single piece already set up. And then this is a long, long, large storyline with, like, epic implications and... And sometimes, you know, maybe that's a little too much credit for the creator. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, is that necessarily a good thing or a bad thing? I can certainly think of some cases where that's very admirable, just the the sheer depth of like the world that someone has created and the intricate plotting. But not every story is about that. I certainly I love stuff like that. You know, I read the Game of Thrones books and, you know, marvel at the uh, insane depth of those things. But I also really like something, uh, you know, much more intuitive where... You know, maybe it's not possible to even know everything that's going on. Like, I find that maybe I find that even more rewarding. But, you know, that may explain why my comics turn out the way they do rather than like something that seems to have some kind of arching master plan. Yeah, I can see that. So, like, one of the things you also notice is like kind of when you read Blackwell and then I went on the web on your website and I saw a bunch of your other works. A lot of the 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 art styles really I like the it's has this um kind of personified human animal sometimes. Like, I know Blackwell, the, the guy has a dog head, but then there were some other ones where you had different, you know, beaks or different animals or, you know. And then it seems like there's this also um, some of this old world type, because there's the hotel and the other people in, in this book and the other books kind of feels like this, like, old world adventure. And then I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, it kind of reminds me almost of, like, Ripley's Believe It or Not or something like that. Like, I don't know. That, I, I hope that's a, it's not, like, a insult or anything, but it just, I like... I don't know how it would be yet. Please explain so I can be uh, insulted. <laughs> no, it's, like, that old, that, um, that sense of kind of, like, this, like, mysterious macabre you like you don't know what it is like you're kind of adventuring to this like new a uh, weird different reality or weird different um personas but um so it's definitely like has this like oddity to it but it's like a i think it's a good thing it's like different than just you know giant um features or like you know like oh i'm just gonna you know draw it really bright or draw it really like you know superhero like or something like that that's how it reminded me of like of of that type of uh style of like old world like like almost like indiana jones sometimes where it's like you go back and then you see you know these like different um characters that you don't quite get in your normal universe yeah well certainly the norm for comics is probably not the kind of uh subject matter that i go for although you know these days what's normal there's certainly a lot more variety in the kind of subject matter you see in comics which is great part of you know whatever kind of golden age you want to call it or something like that. Or to me, anyway, I like seeing a more wide range of comic stories. But yeah, I don't know about uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not or something, but for whatever reason, uh, many of my characters or aesthetic comes from some kind of, I don't know, I pejoratively could call it like old-timey, you know, in quotes, like in a very shallow way, like, you know, someone very much like aping something of the past without really understanding it. It's just an aesthetic that... I respond to unconsciously or something and have steered into it a little bit without, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I'm trying to tell uh, stories from the past or something. <laughs> I don't know. I, this is just how things turn out, which I, I try to embrace. Like, I don't know why I wind up drawing the things that I draw, but I, I think this is actually this is a weird digression. But I think that's actually one of the, the strange, uh, hard to describe uh, qualities of comics is that it does it is so much like uh, it's hard to explain why a person likes drawing the thing they like to draw or you know what uh, someone responds to visually or in storytelling like it's something deep in your personality like 
I don't think any of my comics are autobiographical, but there is a lot of, you know, they're very surreal, strange comics with characters with animal heads, you know, it's certainly not life experience there, but it is very much, very much speaking something from like, you know, my inner personality or something like that, that whatever someone chooses to draw, I don't know, really dictates a lot of what their storytelling will be here. I don't know. It's very hard to describe. I, I feel like I've wandered way off course here. Please, please steer the ship. No, no, no. <laughs> actually, I think that you actually got to my point more that it's like, that's the old timey thing I was trying to talk about, but maybe it was a little convoluted the way I said it. But <laughs> anyhow, um, getting back to the, um, the Blackwell story, I like that, um, this seems like there's this, these different relationships that kind of, enter into the mystery where you have the the husband and the wife and then they have to like kind of deal with this um this relationship and kind of like separating almost and then they have the um main character's relationship with like alcohol and with the different strange things that are happening to him and because when you're a reader you read that you're like oh is it him just imagining stuff from all the alcohol he's drinking or is it just like is it like someone a conspiracy or you know i like it because it, it gives you lots of different um prompts to like feed into the mystery mm-hmm. yeah well, i think i just sort of deliberate i think deliberately in this case though it's hard to remember exactly what my i'd have to look at my notes for like what i intended to put in the book at first but i deliberately took like you know very conventional like archetypes or ideas like, i think the initial inspiration for the book was i had read uh, uh this book dance macabre by stephen king I'm, I'm a stephen king fan though i haven't read any of his books in years but you know i grew up reading those books and loved them and uh he wrote a book, I think it was in like the late 70s, early 80s or something about horror and why he loved horror and just had a list of like, he sort of broke it down in these, into these sort of archetype monsters that recur in all of horror fiction. There's like the vampire, the werewolf, and uh, the thing from a like inexplicable, inexplicable thing from another world, something like that. So I just took each of those things as like, you know, a framework and decided to try to include all of those things somehow. And I can't even quite so like, and I also sort of can cross that with, you know, talking about mystery with sort of a detective story where our main hero has a dog's head, you know, like a hound, a bloodhound detective. There's a lot of pun based nonsense in the book. If you and, I, and I thought that was really, really funny. I, I, and I thought that kind of added to that vampire characters, like kind of, cliche character it was just really really but it makes it more like makes you not like the character more which i like because it's like vampire and you're like you don't think when you look at him you're like i don't know if i should trust him and then he talks and you're like oh you're just really annoying just go away (laughs) (laughs) yeah but I'll, i'll just think of like a phrase and think of these like what are the dumbest puns i can think of based on this or what does this word mean and i'll steer into the dumb joke but i'll i'll try to commit to it sincerely and not treat it like a throwaway thing so that's that's a lot of the the structure of the book there but yeah that the dog-headed character being you know the disappearing woman his wife vanishes and he's basically thrust into the detective role but he's oblivious and selfish and too stupid to really even know what's going on or or follow a lead in any kind of competent way so it's all that kind of thing like thinking of those those archetypes and then trying to you know or not even trying just following them into weird opposite directions and then in the end I don't know. It turns into something that I can't articulate. But I think uh, that's part of why I do it in comics is that I I wouldn't know how to write this in words. It's something that 
can do you know words and pictures together. You don't have to spell everything out, and it it makes it makes for a different experience than if you actually could articulate exactly the thing that you're trying to get at. Yeah, and I definitely appreciate that, and I definitely think that you know the book when I first read through it, that was kind of the, the the sense I got was like I could read it and then see it, but I couldn't fully articulate all the little points or all the feelings that you would get, and then I had to read it again and, and I'm like. Okay, now I get a little bit more. So it actually makes the readability of it great because when I read a mystery well, novel, what's well, sorry, good. It's good to hear that it's readable. That's definitely something I'm going for. <laughs> it's just unreadable. That's not. That's the reaction I, I would prefer not to get, but I'll take it if I have to. <laughs> um, no, I was just, you know, um, yeah, I was gonna say it's like because it, like for the mystery novel, I would, I if it's just written, I would just read it once and then it's done with. I can get the, the whole plot. This one, it's like, it makes you want to go back more and then you can start seeing little bits that you didn't notice, you know, which I enjoy. Yeah, when I when I try to explain what it is to people or when I try to prepare them so they're not uh, disappointed or something, I, I often refer to it and other stuff that I've done as like a puzzle where you never get all of the pieces. Like, it, there is a, there is a picture, but it's not something that you that not every every single thing is in there. You kind of have to bring yourself to it. It'll be a little different depending on who you are. Which again sounds kind of like a compact, but I think it's true. <laughs> no, I think it's very true, and I think that your when you said you liked Lost, I think that that's kind of very similar um, opinion. Like if someone first watches Lost and then watches another episode much later in the series. They're like, uh, wait, you know, I to, you you have to go back. But then it's also like, you know, it, the more you watch it, then you can piece together the different the different things. Yeah, I think I think uh, with that show, I think uh, some of the problems they, you know, the, the the way people's reactions have been shaped, I think, has been by the show presenting itself as here are all of these things that we will solve for you, and it just set up a weird expectation that could never be fulfilled. But uh, and then, yeah, I totally get. Uh, people's problems with the show but I, I just the stuff that I find enjoyable about it I find so enjoyable that just outweighs uh, any of my gripes about it and you know I, I wish there had been less resolution like I wish that more mysteries had gone you know more unsaid because it just it's more satisfying to imagine the connections between things and there's enough there that you can kind of form your own connections without having to have it you know completely outlined for you yeah and I think that that it follows well in, in this book that my initial reaction was like, oh, wait, that's the ending. But then my second reaction was like, oh, well, what would happen? And then thinking about it. And then now that you say that, now it's it's more satisfying because now I can read it again and try and come up with another solution and then read it again and try and come up with another solution. So it definitely, you know, not not laying out a mystery is definitely, you know, gives it up to the reader to 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 like uh imagine more which makes it makes it good so uh <laughs> i don't know i definitely like like that um i was gonna ask you also like uh are you continuing anything you're working on now is it continuing in that mystery yeah i mean I'm, I'm pretty repetitive i do similar things over and over and over again i'm trying to shake it up a little bit and just do a lot of short stuff here and there but uh, i mean the blackwell is one self-contained thing generally i mean there are references to other other work of mine in there but it's not you know you can read it as one separate thing i don't have a continuation in mind for that particular story at the moment anyway right now i'm doing just you know mini comics basically throughout 
throughout my, I would hesitate to call it a career because that would imply, uh, you know, earning some money on comics, which is certainly not the case for me. But, uh, yeah, you know, I've just, the only way I've ever managed to make any work is to periodically do mini comics. Generally, when I do a little convention or something like that, I'll sort of, uh, I refer to myself as a binge cartoonist where I won't do anything for months and months. And then, well, I'm going to do a new book for this show. And then for like, 30 days I barely sleep and I do a new comic and I try to do that a couple times a year right now I'm doing a series I've never done a series before just slapping a title on it pretending I'm you know making eight ball or optic nerve or something like that uh, called the consumptive and I've done a, a couple issues of that thus far I hope to do one or two more this year and this is a random you know collection of short stories and little experiments and yeah I have uh, I've been doing these short stories for a while that I think of as like thematically linked and I'm trying to do one or two more of them in each little issue of my mini comic I do that hopefully will one day make it into another, you know, full size book. But who knows how long that takes at my current current rate. I think I'm at like five years between books. So who knows that that means I'm due for another one. Cause I think my first book was 2007 and Blackwell I put out in like 2011 or 12. So it's about time I finish another one. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, certainly it's a process and certainly things take take longer. So you said you never did a series before. So um, how is this uh, faring? Is it, it is it easier easier than doing the standalone? It is exactly the same. There's no, <laughs> there's no difference. I mean, uh, yeah, just from the way that I'm able to work, it's, it's still kind of just like, well, here's, you know, 24 more pages of stuff. Now it just has a number one or number two on it instead of just being a self-contained thing. For a while, I would always, when I do a mini comic, it would generally be like one self-contained story or, you know, grab bag of stuff. But I hadn't, I hadn't decided to make, I could just as easily have done all the mini comics I've done over the years as like a series, but who knows? I don't know. It's a, it's an experiment. <laughs> we'll see. At this point, uh, you know, I I'm, I don't make a living at this. This is just for. I try to keep it just for fun when like comics are what I want to be making, so that I I'm only I'm only doing it when I really enjoy it. Oh, well, then that's probably the best part, right? I mean, like I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, well, you know. I don't know if, if if people would want to read a book that you're like, oh, I hated making that book. Like, you know, it's like <laughs> that does happen though. You know, there are great works of art that come from people being forced to do something they don't necessarily want to do. <laughs> like, uh, wasn't that famously like Touch of Evil, the Orson Welles movie? He was contractually obligated to do this thing, and the studio took it out of his hands. But we ended up getting this great film noir masterpiece. So who knows? Not to compare myself to Orson Welles, that would be the worst thing I could possibly do. No, but, <laughs> no, no, no. There's something to be said for forcing yourself to keep working, but but yeah, I don't, I don't have that kind of leisure time. I got a full time job, two kids, long commute. It's hard to, uh, hard to uh, find the time to make comics, but I still feel the stupid compulsion to do it. So I, I do it from time to time. I say that in the most loving way possible. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, you know, we all, we all want to do, you know. We have like the, our our ideal self and our like you know real self, and then like trying to kind of struggle for through through, through with that. Always um, oh, a struggle. Yes, always struggle. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you were like a, when you started, you had a, did you like have a lot of certain styles of of, of comics that you that you read more than others? Because I know some people are more heavy on like oh I only like you know the crime 
or I only like the superhero, or I only like, you know, did you have ones that you more leaned on? Yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up, uh, I feel like I'm of a, a generation that's going away now, and people are coming into comics, especially in, like, you know, indie comics. Uh, people are coming from all kinds of different backgrounds, but I think my... You know, my entry into comics was a pretty traditional one, at least for a long time, where I grew up reading superhero comics and loving them. And then as I got older, I got I saw more and more stuff and I found a few gateway comics like Sandman and Cerebus and Evan Dorkin's comics that made me think, oh, what's all this other stuff you can do with comics? And I eventually, you know, just went much more in that direction and read Dan Klaus and Chris Ware and, you know, comics like that that really, you know, broadened my horizons. And that's the stuff that I that I really love and continue to read the most. So I still really enjoy, you know, sort of mainstream Fair. I haven't read many superhero comics in a long time, but you know, a lot of more mainstream genre entertainment. I, you know, I love that stuff too. But yeah, the, the comics that really spoke to me are more along those, you know, the, the indie lines. You know, to use a, a weird term, indie is not necessarily the most descriptive, but you know, in comics, independent basically means anything other than Marvel and DC. So you know, your your wares, your clouds. Uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on other names, but. Uh, that's, there's too many. There's too many names. Like easy, easy to blame. It's a really good time to be interested in comics because there's such an amazing diversity of voices. So much great work is being published now. It's, it's really hard for me to to keep up with it these days. Same. I I, I mean, and I, I agree with the the sentiment that word indie is definitely a very loose, kind of vague term, and I don't know if you like it, but um, my usual sense is that like. I like lumping things into genres more than I like just indie because it's like, well, how do you, it's like, do you classify it as, oh, you don't get paid or do you classify it as, oh, you're not working for a corporation? Oh, not for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so, so like, get some money. Yeah, no, I, exactly. So it's like, you know, do you kind of quantify it as like, oh, um, you only have certain number of issues or you can only print a certain run of things. So it's like really hard to like classify it. But I guess it's a catch-all term because people seem to – seems to stick. Yeah, I guess I sort of uh, always have gravitated towards the more, you know, unusual work. So stuff that, you know, people would conventionally call like, oh, this is weird or surreal or, you know, like I mentioned David Lynch or, you know, certainly Dan Klaus was thought of that way for a while. And although his work is very mainstream in a lot of ways now, but which is, which is great for all of us. Uh, but yeah, something, you know, the stranger stuff like that. I've always liked, you know, horror and comedy, which are kind of the two genres I feel like my work sort of falls into, or I always feel like that's where I'm going, though it never really winds up scary or funny at all. But those are the kind of, the kind of, uh, elements I, I, I tend to, you know, work with. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, read a lot of everything, I feel like. I like to, I like to think I have <laughs> relatively broad uh, taste, but who knows? Maybe I just stick to the same kind of crap all the time. <laughs> I'm not the best at evaluating myself. No, no. I, I think um, definitely I, I can, you know, I like to think the same thing. I like to think the same thing that I've, you know, have a broad uh, more broad spectrum, but then again, when I look at it, I'm like, oh well, you know, there's always there's always so much new stuff. There's always so much great, you know, stuff coming out. So I gotta just kind of try to absorb new new styles and new materials. So, um, and you said that you mentioned the like surreal type uh, comics that came that that uh, kind of draw draw you in into that universe and then i can definitely see you know lynch as that is like sur surreal type thing do you um like uh 
tw- uh, Twin Peaks. Have you know the show Twin Peaks? Of course, yeah. Twin Peaks was a big. And it's coming back, and it's yeah. coming out. So are you? It are is, you, which I had mixed feelings about. Oh but, yeah, you know, what did you think? Well, just you know, there, there's this thing in the culture now of you know, well, it's a recognizable name. Let's bring this thing back. Which you know, it, it makes it makes a lot of sense too. But you know, something that. Uh, was so good and so of its moment like you kind of just wanted I kind of wanted to just be like why do we have to mess with it <laughs> we have Twin Peaks it's great although you know I watched Twin Peaks a number of times since then and some of it really does not hold up all that well like sometimes it's good to revisit that stuff and see it's not this precious perfect thing but you know I t- about half of it is still as great or greater than I remember and you know when uh, they're giving Lynch the opportunity to direct the entire write and direct the entire series himself I'll just you know I, my only misgivings would be why can't David Lynch I would rather see David Lynch do something else new how many more things are we going to get from David Lynch I want I want more new stuff but he's he's making the, the new series and directing it all that you know however many hours we get of something new from Lynch I don't care what it is I love it and I still, I still have such affection for Twin Peaks you know I can't help I'm, I'm excited about it we'll see I thought the series was better than the movie thing at the end they had that movie I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, and I thought it was... Um, I like the movie a lot for what it is as well. Kind of have each thing on its own terms. The movie's just so bleak. Yeah, it, it definitely... You walk away from it and you feel like really heavy and you're like, oh, geez, what did I watch for like an hour and a half? Like, you, you know, did a truck hit me or something? Like, <laughs> well, the stuff I love the most about the movie is the stuff that doesn't really refer to the TV show very much at all. Like, the bulk of the movie is telling the Laura Palmer story that we already know. But then there's all this other stuff about, like, other FBI agents and these opening of the world up into these other weird mysteries, like with... Uh, David Bowie flickering in and out of existence and those like opening it up to something new is what got me really excited so I hope we'll see more of that in the new one I don't know how do we wind up talking about Twin Peaks not that I mind we could just do a Twin Peaks podcast that's fine with me <laughs> no I just because because you know you you are just rolling off the fact that you like surreal stuff so I was like oh yeah true and Twin Peaks is that kind of ensemble thing I feel like well the Blackwell not so much but my first book uh, The Aviary which happened almost accidentally and that it was you know I was making these separate mini comics for a while and then having characters interconnect and overlap and then I wound up seeing how it could be a whole book and so that if you read that book it's sort of you know it's this shared world with all of these different characters which might be more akin to something like a a big ensemble cast like a Twin Peaks or something like that so I certainly respond to that stuff too oh yeah so um in you the the so the aviary um is another self-contained um, book because I, I didn't get to read it yet, but I saw it on your site. Yeah, unfortunately, I believe it's um, out of print at this point, and there's not uh, there's not much demand to bring it back, so it'll probably remain that way for a little while. Um, but yeah, that was uh, Ad House Books, put that, the great Chris Pitzer put that out in uh, 2007, and that was like six years worth of mini comics that I had done before that. All of these, you know separate little short stories that started to get more and more connected. And then again, it sort of makes this big, it's a big puzzle with the pieces missing and, you know, and you have to kind of provide the connective tissue. I'm totally repeating myself, <laughs> but every artist does that. That's what makes an artist an artist is that the things they repeat are their, their concerns, their genuine voice. I say these things like, uh, you know, to dismiss myself, but that's not really the case. I think it's important to explore the things that you gravitate to. And while it may seem like repetition or self plagiarism or something like that's how you find your voice. 
Just really, right? Yeah, and I think that you're not repeating yourself. I think you're just expanding on yourself right now when you just said that. I think that definitely, you know, the trends that you follow, you want to explore them and expand on them. And then um, it seems like uh, with the the, the consumptive, the new series that you have, it might be following that similar format where you have lots of smaller issues and then I'm going to explore this universe and explore this line and then see where it, where it, where it yeah. takes me. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's just an excuse to, you know, experiment and keep working and <laughs> keep going and see where I wind up. No, that's, that's great. Um, and then um, I think that... I think that was like I, I, it's great to get inside of your head and get get a sense of the comics. What? <laughs> That's just fun. It's great to get inside of your head. Yeah. <laughs> I don't envy you that. Oh, you know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, All right. Well, I wanted to thank you for your time and thank you oh, for sure. talking. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I really like uh, the Sean Ford interview you did. Oh yeah. This time, yes, I know Sean. Sean's comics are great. No, they are. I. I I very much enjoyed talking to him. He was he was fun. Um, as are you. So <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't fishing, but thank you. No, it's I. Um, I was just giving a compliment. So <laughs> thank you very much for your time. And that's all, folks. <laughs> Little bugs bunny there for you. Uh, I wanted to thank everyone for listening. Big thanks to Jamie Tanner for taking the time to chat, letting us get inside his head a little bit even if he didn't want me to (laughs) Um, so big thanks to him and please go check out his website and his book it really is worth it and a huge thanks to Adrian Kuzminski again for helping with the audio we are still trying to perfect the audio and figure out how I can make it better for you big thanks to her and our music our great music for this episode Roll music as usual for the beginning. Then we have Springtide, The Red Thread, and to end our show, we have The Deafening Colors with City by the Sea, and I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please send us some comments, leave a review, all that good stuff. And remember, guests of our show will receive psychedelic dreams with very ambiguous endings. And that's all. Thank you for listening. Lators.